Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Louis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Well, this week, a truce, if not exactly a peace, may be breaking out in the charter wars that have consumed teachers' unions and charter school advocates for much of this year. This week, Governor Newsom and leaders of the legislature announced a final agreement on a massive revision of the nearly 30-year-old charter school law in California. Newsom and his aides had a critical role in piecing together the deal and moving the California Charter School Association and the California Teachers Association and other teachers' unions from their entrenched positions. We'll get to the changes that are in the works on that front, but we'll spend much of this week's podcast on math, high school math. And that's because also this week, the California State University trustees held its second lengthy hearing on what will be one of the most far-reaching decisions affecting K-12 schools, and that is whether to require a fourth year of math or some course demanding quantitative skills, as the chancellor's office is recommending. Many school districts and advocates really strongly oppose this move. They say many school districts with low-income students barely offer the full course load that's already required for admission to CSU, and adding one more will make it even harder for them to qualify. There's already a shortage of math teachers and science teachers, and this requirement, they say, will only make it worse. Well, CSU responds that districts will have six years to prepare for the change that they have in mind, and by far the majority of students admitted to CSU already have taken a fourth year of math in high school. Their data shows that students who arrive with a fourth year of math or some other course that uses quantitative skills be it science or computing or a career tech course like sports medicine or forensics, are significantly more likely to graduate and are better prepared right off the bat for college-level work. We speak with two influencers on both sides of the debate. Chris Steinhauser is superintendent of Long Beach Unified, which for five years has already required a fourth year of math as a graduation requirement. Chris is also a CSU trustee. But first... Audrey Dow, Senior Vice President of the Campaign for College Opportunity, which opposes the requirement, as did quite a few groups at a hearing that the CSU Board of Trustees, or at least a committee, looking at this issue held in Long Beach this week. Audrey Dow was a presenter at the meeting. Audrey, how did it go? Overall, I think the trustees left with a sense that we all have high standards for our students. We all want students better prepared for college and we want them to graduate, but we can't go about changing policy without considering the system that would be responsible for delivering on this fourth year of quantitative reasoning, and that's K-12. There's been a general consensus over the last few years that we do want to raise expectations for students, especially underperforming students. I think there's a feeling that perhaps teachers haven't expected enough of these students. So here we come along with a proposal for adding a fourth year of math, and a lot of organizations, advocacy organizations, civil rights organizations are opposed to it. It seems a little bit counterintuitive. I think that we are all for rigor. I mean, even the the recent work and think about all the advocates that have pushed Los Angeles Unified School District, for example, to make A to G the default curriculum. I think what you hear advocacy organizations expressing is that there are real institutional challenges to offering rigorous coursework to students. And it's not just about having the resources to offer those courses, but it's about 
being able to hire qualified teachers that really have a belief in students that will change their pedagogy to better serve students of color so that they can be successful. That requires a paradigm shift. And I think that is what we have continuously been concerned about. But I don't think that anybody that has been pushing on the CSU around this issue is saying that we shouldn't raise the bar. In fact, many of us have more recently been very supportive of both the CSU and community colleges doing away with remedial education, saying our students are ready for transfer level work or college level work out the gate if they're given the opportunity. And the data shows that that is true. Well, you mentioned that there was quantitative reasoning, not just math, right? The alternatives could be science or it could be career technical education courses like forensic science or computing and even veterinary medicine and statistics. So isn't this a real opportunity, though, for students to experiment and do other courses that would potentially lead them to other career choices once in college? Absolutely. It could, assuming that school districts can offer those courses. You know, one of the things that the CSU talked about was that most comprehensive high schools can at least offer a course or have a course on the master schedule that would meet this fourth year requirement. But there's been no discussion about what the capacity is of a school to offer that to all of its students. Is it one course that can serve 30 students? Can it serve a thousand students? We don't know the answers to those questions and neither does the CSU. We're all for making sure that students have a rich experience in K-12, in the quantitative front, on the English front, on the humanities front, but we have to make sure that K-12 can deliver on that equitably. Is there a compromise here that could be reached? Well, I think that the best way to go about doing this is really having California revisit high school graduation requirements. Why are we still requiring only two years of math for high school graduation? That fundamental mismatch between what we're requiring of students to get a diploma and what our colleges and universities are wanting for admission and what our economy needs, that's what's causing disparity. And what do we know about the capacity of K-12 schools to offer the courses that are needed? Are you pretty convinced that those courses aren't there for many students? What we know is that A to G course offerings in terms of inequity fall along racial lines. So schools that are are highly segregated with Latinx students and black students making up the largest composition of those student populations have less access to the full offering of A to G courses. There's a real inequity in, in these course offerings because they don't have the resources to offer these courses. They don't have the faculty to teach them, and the data shows that. I guess the assumption is that if you added this requirement, it is these schools with disadvantaged students that well, they'll be the ones that are most affected by that. That's right, as well as rural school districts. So what's next? What are you looking to now, Audrey? The CSU seems to be moving forward with a plan to introduce a proposal in September and a vote in November. We hope that that is not the case. We hope that the CSU take a thoughtful pause and continue to work collaboratively with K-12. One of the things I shared in my testimony this week was that, you know, the governor's new Council for Post-Secondary Education is probably the most perfect place and perfect timing, by the way, for this kind of conversation to be had. 
The UC is in the process of considering a new science requirement as well. While our two systems are rethinking admissions requirements, why not have that conversation at a table that's been set by the governor? We've been talking with Audrey Dow, Senior Vice President of the Campaign for College Opportunity. Thanks for talking with us today. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking with you. You know, John, I was really taken aback by the vehement opposition to this proposal. Not only the Campaign for College Opportunity, Ed Trust West, lots of students, student groups. <laughs> it didn't seem like there was that much support for it. Well, you know, you look at it through two different lenses. The CSU is looking at it in terms of graduation rate. How do we graduate more students and at the same time have them come to our campuses better prepared for math? And I think the advocates are looking at it from an equity standpoint in terms of, well, how do we get more students into CSU? And it's not that they're mutually exclusive. I think that they're working together in the same goal, but you know they're really seeing it from two different angles. And CSU says that if a student does show up and can say, hey, I didn't have the opportunity to take the classes, they, were, they didn't offer the courses that I needed in high school, they would be exempt from this requirement. But uh, that didn't really fly with the opponents. Keep in mind that the CSU really can't tell districts how to prepare their students. But they can use one of the few levers that they have, which is through requiring courses and the hope that through adding a course, then students will end up being better prepared. But I think the reaction says, boy, CSU, if you're going to require this, you've got to work with us over time to help us get there. Well, there is one district that has required students to take a fourth year of math for at least a half dozen years already, right? That's right. It's Long Beach Unified. And we have the superintendent, Christopher Steinhauser, to speak with us today. Welcome, Superintendent. Thank you. So, Superintendent, where do you come down on this proposal for a fourth-year math requirement to get into CSU? It's actually not just a math you know, requirement for four years. It's quantitative reasoning, which actually science courses as well as other electives qualify. What we did here in Long Beach several years ago, based on the input from at that time, Chancellor Oakley and President King Alexander, is we actually increased our requirements here in Long Beach to four years of mathematics. That's for high school graduation. Correct. So it doesn't mean that you're going to take calculus, but you had to have math every year unless you completed pre-calculus or dual enrollment course at the end of your junior year. And what was the rationale for that? The rationale at the time was that we wanted to reduce the number of students who were needing remediation in college because at the time, Long Beach Unified, uh, like most districts, only had a two-year math requirement, and a lot of kids did not take any type of math or qualitative reasoning in the 12th grade, so they became rusty, and then if they took a placement test, they may qualify for a remedial course, you know, that type of thing. Do you have the data to show what happened after that, Chris? Yes. So this week we presented to the CSU Educational Policy Subcommittee where our numbers went from before we had the four-year math requirement to where we had it this year for the first time with this graduating class. It grew by 19%. It went from 41% A3G four years ago to 60%. And the same numbers with our CSU Readiness Index. And again, we're not saying that the four-year math requirement was the sole factor in having those increases, but what we are saying is that raising the standards for our kids was not detrimental to them. 
And actually, we have a 71% of our kids go to college immediately after they graduate from us. And what we have found over the last couple of years since we have raised the standard is that more of our kids are now going to four-year institutions versus two-year institutions. So we have roughly 38% of our seniors going directly to a four-year institution and 33% of them going to a two-year institution, where those numbers were you know, flipped about four years ago. So in offering this fourth year, what kinds of courses have you added and where did you find the staff? You've heard some of the objections from, from other districts. It's saying it's an unrealistic expectation that we won't be able to find the teachers and it's an obstacle for our students to get into CSU. When this was brought to my attention, you know, roughly five years ago, I had some of those same concerns, how we were going to phase this in, how we're going to support kids. It has not cost us a lot of money by any means. So, for example, we got rid of courses that no longer met our pathways, because as you know, Long Beach is a wall-to-wall pathway district under Link Learning. We replaced these courses with courses that were related to their pathways. So, for example, it could be business algebra and the business pathway. We actually added a course called data science, which is a UC course that you could take in replace of algebra two. We actually allow the students to count computer sciences to do that. We have uh, Project Lead the Way, which is an engineering course that can count. Because again, it's not just a math course. It can be anything that's related to qualitative reasoning. We have a very large statistics program. We have a very large finite math program. So there's a whole course of classes that the kids can take, as well as dual enrollment at both uh, Long Beach City for us and Cal State Long Beach. So it's a really flexible program, and we phased it in over four years. The CSU system's proposal is phasing it in over six to seven years. Is there a compromise perhaps here, Chris? My suggestion is if this policy is approved, that all the components of education need to get together. So, for example, the CSUs, the K-12 with the Department of Ed, the um, chancellor's office with community colleges, and they all need to look together to say, how can we provide all these supports for kids? How can we provide flexibility? How can we provide support to those areas that are in the rural community, you know? And then how can we learn from those who are already doing the work now? Because the goal is making sure that our kids, number one, are sharp in mathematics and, and the reasoning skills, but also have as many doors open to them as possible in the areas of STEM fields. So you would say go ahead and adopt the policy in November, or would you say wait until you get more of this in line and more of the commitments made before you actually adopt it? I can only speak for myself. So where I come from is the more you wait, the more opportunities could be lost for students. So I would not want any student to be harmed by this. And the chancellor's office presented a a proposal that would have a caveat that no student would be harmed. So I'd want to flush that out. So if it's to be delayed, I would just hope it's not delayed by too long because we really do need to provide as many supports to our students and our teachers as possible so that they have all the tools. On that note, thank you so much. We've been talking with Chris Steinhauser, superintendent of Long Beach Unified. Good luck with your work in this area and look forward to hearing more as this unfolds. Thank you so much. Take care.
Let's turn now to charter schools. John, amazingly, the governor and the legislature reached an agreement this week on major reforms of charter schools, and I think uh, the reforms went a lot further than many people expected. Certainly in one respect, and that is the ability of a school board to consider the financial impact of a charter school when it considers the petition, and that's not under the current law right now. Sort of you have to approve a charter school if it meets certain criteria. You can't consider financial impact or the academic program effect on other schools. And I know a lot of charter advocates think that school districts are going to use this as an excuse. They can just say, oh, we got these financial problems as a way to deny charters. So I think we're going to have to really look at the wording closely because I think it's important to see what that context is. We know that part of the bill says if you're a district under financial stress like Oakland Unified and you have a lot of charters and your county says this district is in financial trouble, the bill specifically allows you to say we don't have to allow any additional charters. I think it's important to note that in discussion of the reforms that the governor and the legislature have agreed to, these are being billed as the biggest changes in California's charter school law. Well, there actually was a big change in the mid-90s. The original charter school bill limited the number of charter schools to 100 in the state. And then a few years later, the legislature changed that, and they essentially lifted the cap. They said you could have 100 new charter schools every year. Well, actually, we've never had 100 every year. There's been steady growth. Effectively, we now don't have any cap, 1,300-plus charter schools. So something had to be done to take into account this changed reality. So I guess the question we'll see over time is whether or not the additional flexibility and discretion that school districts have, whether we've seen the, the high point of a charter school movement in California, whether or not, in fact, growth will shrink to very few new charter schools in the future. Actually, John, the growth of the charter school sector has declined in the last few years pretty dramatically. So they were facing some challenges already, and that will definitely add to those challenges. And that wraps it up for this week's podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Our music is from Nate Schwartz Jazz Orchestra and Ed Source's own Justin Allen. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Music